0: You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the
1: National Academy of Sports Medicine. Welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today... I have a special guest and I want to start a little lead in with a special guest is I I was talking to my daughter this morning and I said, I'm really excited about the guest. And she said, why? And I said, because she is a multiple time Olympian, four times. She's won, I like 1600 World Cup gold medals. I went through the list. I told her (laughs) she's actually ranked number one in the universe. My daughter's 12 years old. She was like, wow, that's that's all very impressive. And I, and I said, yeah, <laughs> and she's a snowboarder. And she goes, whoa, that's cool. So with that being said, Lindsay Jacobellis, Ellis, thank you for being on the NASMCPT podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to be a part of the NASM family and to be connecting with you, Rick.
1: Perfect. Thank you. Give us a little bit about your background, like you in your own words, not in in my overinflated version, because even the truth (laughs) of who you are is already so impressive. So just give us a little background on you.
0: So I've been involved in sports as long as I can really remember. I have an older brother who's five years older. So naturally, you know, they don't really want anything to do with younger siblings. So you're desperately chasing around your old brother to play with you, be like, can I be hanging out with you? So it was always this like fight to have to prove that I was, you know, able to, be with the boys and I could keep up and you don't need to leave me behind. I could be just as fun. So naturally that carried over into sports. A lot of the sports that I was involved in were very male dominated and then started getting into some of the, um, you know, the school sports where I was able to build that female camaraderie. Um, Mm -hmm. When I started snowboarding uh, competitively at age 11 or 12 snowboarding, I just kind of went from one event to the next and qualified to go to nationals and then qualified for a world cup tour and just really didn't know where this sport was going to take me. I went to a special high school that helped me balance my academics and athletics so I could spend time in both categories without falling too far behind in school. Um, So that gave me the ability to be able to travel and they would work with my schedule, and also have some tutoring on the road, so I could finish, you know, my high school degree. And then right after I qualified high school, uh, my sport was actually named to go into the Olympics. So, you know, my mom always thought I was either going to be in the Olympics or in the circus. So I guess this one <laughs> kind of just came first because <laughs> I, I was always doing crazy things. Um, so it was it was a pretty cool. Journey and it wasn't something that we planned, there was no blueprint for this to replicate. It was just kind of what fell into my lap, and then I just would take an opportunity and roll with it and see how long it would go. And you know, I applied for college and did that whole thing, and then I was like, well, um, I'll just defer until you know I'll only do this a couple of years, and it's like cut yeah. to almost 20 years later on the U.S. team. I'm like, "Ah, I still really haven't done this. So it made me start thinking what I wanted to do after snowboarding. And I, you know, naturally felt that I had that coaching pull and that I wanted to be giving back to my sport in some way or to that uh, younger generation. So I felt naturally, you know, coaching and snowboarding, but then also being involved in personal training because I always thought the body was so incredible. What I had to put my body through, how I destroy my body when I'm crashing or if I injure it and how the body adapts. It's just so amazing. So to learn so much about the body when you're on like the PT tables and in pain and seeing all of the body and the skeleton when you're just there learning how it works, it's pretty fascinating. So I always decided that I was like, I think I'll do personal training. And that was my plan you know, two years from now, when I was thinking of, you know, closing up shop in the snowboarding world, but right. since COVID happened, and
1: so I got a lot, of,
0: a lot of projects done at home, and then I'm just sitting there, I'm like, okay, what should I do now? Why not jump into the books and start this process sooner? And I'm so happy I did the whole, the whole online process was so easy. And all of the videos to follow uh, were great. And I especially loved the videos with you because Thank they you were did. very, very easy to follow. <laughs> I'd always get so excited. I was like, oh, Rick's good. Rick's doing this lesson. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thank it you. Just, it, it was always such an easy translation for me to understand. Um, so I really, really enjoyed it. And I was really excited when I learned that you were actually doing this podcast. I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'll get to talk to one of the trainers. I wonder if it's this guy. And then, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and then I was told and I was like, oh my God, what are the chances? This is so exciting.
1: So that's uh, amazing. Thank you. Cool. I want to ask a question about this process uh, of selecting uh, a, a certification to go with because Lindsay, there's so many that are out there. Um, what was it about NASM that you were like, I want to do that. And did you have trainers that you had worked with that suggested it or, you know, did, you know how did this come about, and then I'd like to get into to more about your experience, and and then talk about mentorship as well.
0: So I've been working with personal trainers my entire career. We have some on the U.S. team. We have um, access to people all through the U.S. Um, an amazing team. So. I was living in Southern California in the summer times and I was working with a personal trainer there and, you know, he was very impressed with the knowledge and what I have learned just working with him over such a long period of time and how I was able to get, you know, feedback and really tell him what my body was feeling at that time, what we need. So we were this amazing unit to be working together and he said you should go into personal training and I was like you know that could be really cool when I'm done with snowboarding I'll jump into that and just out of curiosity I was like well what one should I do he was like oh NASA I was like well is that the best he was like yeah I was like okay well I only deal with the best so awesome.
1: <laughs> it was
0: just it was just simple um whenever I decide to do, do something I want to do it a hundred percent I want to have the best tools to be working with. So I feel like I have the best to then give to whoever I am, you know, working with, whether it be a young athlete, uh, you know, someone who's just trying to improve their daily life or my parents, or I even apply some of these things to my, my dog when I can notice like, uh, you know, in their, the gate and the mechanics just are slightly off. She's getting older and I'm like, oh, I need to make sure that. I'm catering to those needs. And so it just, it works all around. So it just felt like a natural fit.
1: That's awesome. So let's find out a little bit more about... Um, your professional career and and what you've done because I find it really fascinating and I'm a huge Olympic fan like I love watching the Olympics um, and there are there are all different kind of world titles and world um, games and X Games that that exist uh, and for some reason I I guess every four years the country against country it's something very interesting uh, you've been an Olympian for four times, right? So that's impressive already because that's 16 years of your life, I know. And uh, there's a lot of things that are challenging. And for somebody that is as accomplished and as good as you at the top level, there have been some challenging things that have happened. I want to talk about like, just what are some of the ways that that you deal with Kind of dusting it off and some of the things that that really hurt and can be setbacks. And the reason I say that, uh, certainly not to put you on blast for any reason, but we're all dealing with setbacks right now. Uh, i I just closed one of my my studios because of the the pandemic. There are a lot of issues with people. What are some of the things that you were able to take, the lessons that you were able to take from um a loss or a disappointment and turn that around so that you were able to continue to flourish.
0: I believe it has to do with mental adaptation, uh, whether you're a professional athlete or you're in a career um, in a nine to five or just whatever you can lay your plan out for, you know, a month, a year, five years. And you're like, okay, that's a great skeleton of how I want to be moving through life. But, right situations that we cannot control all of a sudden will happen. That will happen in careers. You can get hurt. You can have, you know, uh, just setbacks of any kind. And it's just going to have to be how you are adapting to this mentally. And COVID is, is such a huge example of that because so many people have had to change how they are working or coming up with new business ideas or models or adapting their current existing business models to make it work within this structure. And it's been very challenging. Some people, it's been amazing and they've been able to bring their business to a whole different level while others have had to struggle and either completely put something away and start something new to at least get, you know, the juices flowing for the environment and for your, your, sorry, for the economy and for yourself. And um, it's, it's just incredible what people have been able to accomplish now for myself personally, you know, I've been injured. I've gone to the highest ranking events and not done well, or you have done well. And then the next time that you arrive at that event, you are expected to be at least at that level and to continue. And to do that for 20 years has definitely been emotionally taxing, physically taxing and, what I've had to take from it is my own personal, you know, self-worth and that it does not translate to the individual that I am. It's just a moment in time. It's just what's happening and a reflection of that result. It doesn't have to do with how I how I value myself. Did and it take
1: some time to get to that point where you absolutely kind of logging yourself and beating yourself up over some some things and then and I have to get to a point where you're like, that's, that's it. You know, I, it's all over. It's all coming to an end. I, you know, my, it's a house of cards and it's falling apart. And then it does, I know that there's an emotional voice and then there's the logical voice. Right. And, and my business partner always says it's hard to dissect an emotional problem with a logical scalpel. scalpel. So to, to go through and, and have these emotions, you know, you're good. Right. Like, you know, you you've accomplished enough, but there's there's something inside us that that we will we can be on the top of the mountain and still beat ourselves up for not doing something right uh, or accomplishing something that we or everybody else thought we were supposed to accomplish. And kind of where does where does that work in your mindset where you're able to shift that and say, I'm OK,
0: It is something I still work on today. This is not something like, oh, if I have accomplished this, I have great balance in my life. I'm an Olympic caliber or intense athlete who always demands the highest execution, but that's almost not realistic from a day-to-day basis. So when I'm coaching kids or when I'm interacting with people that are trying to understand what I go through on a daily basis or when I compete, I tell them, you know, you know, you always hear it, lay it all on the field, just give it all you got. And sometimes that can be the situation, but sometimes all you have in that day might only be 80%, but at least you gave it that full 80%. It was just what was capable in that moment. So learning throughout my full almost 20 years on the team now, it's been almost, almost a forgiveness pattern to myself that I could be like, okay, I tried my best in that moment, you know, I had some things kind of against me, maybe I was sick, maybe I was, you know, my knee was sore from, you know, my previous injuries, so that it kind of just hangs on and can get a little angrier, or, you know, my equipment just didn't feel right, just it wasn't that great. So when you're at that level, even though you could think that you're a prepared at that level, it's really only the 1% that's really going to make a difference when you're competing with all these other athletes that have put in all that time, all that energy, and focus. So it's going to be those tiny things that give you that advantage. Sometimes you will thrive from coming from behind, it might make you hungry, but sometimes it doesn't work. And I've seen all sorts of results throughout my entire career where I've come from behind and won, and what a great story, or that I you know, had everything going and it didn't work. And it's just, it's always all over the map. So at least understanding how I could be communicating with my mental side of things. Because like you said, the scalpel, the emotional scalpel, you could be one extreme or the other. Right. And I like to try to play that with myself. It's like, oh my God, this could be the worst thing. Or like, so then I try to go to the other side and be like, well, what could be the best thing that could happen out of this situation? And be like, well, it's probably something in the middle that's going to happen. So as long as you're swinging so far to you know, one side and being so negative, at least give yourselves to swing to the complete opposite side and get some crazy positivity out of it and then find a little happy medium in the middle.
1: (laughs) That's right. No, I agree with that. Well, you know, we're talking about, um, you mentioned adapt several times and I always say uh, recently we're like the word of the year in 2020 is obviously going to be coronavirus, but a swift runner up is going to be the word pivot or the word adapt. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're going through right now. Uh, You are taking these life lessons and you have been working with really uh, a lot of youth and young women that are coming up and doing these incredible games. How are you taking the lessons learned and applying that with some of the people that you mentor?
0: it's always really nice to start to reiterate everything that you've been working on yourself to a younger generation, because then also it helps remind you when you're really hard on yourself, Be like, oh, this is what I'm teaching. I should actually listen to myself. I'm, You know, you know what you're talking about. Give yourself some credit and actually apply it for yourself. Don't just keep telling younger kids like, Oh, just take it one step at a time. We're breaking this down. You're expecting too much out of yourself right now. Let's look at the things you have accomplished today instead of, yeah. Tearing myself apart and getting yourself so flustered. It's calm yourself. Let's refocus. Maybe we need a break. Do we need some food? Do we need some water? How do we? How do we then recharge and, you know, come back to this and attack this situation with all your effort that you can? So over the last couple of years, I've been working with ASA Entertainment uh, with developing the whole Supergirl brand. Uh, right. There's a surf side of things for Supergirl, and there is a snowboarding side. So I was heading up the snowboarding side. And I didn't want to make it just another event where it was just pros coming in and showcasing all the skills. And even though it's really fun to watch all the pros, there's yeah. almost a little bit of a disconnect with the general public that's coming up to the mountain to enjoy you know, the recreational skiing and snowboarding that the mountain has to offer. Um, because they see all this crazy stuff. But then they're like, "I, I can't really do that. So I decided if I brought in that younger generation of girls, it would help support the growth of Snowboard Cross and help that next generation feed into a program where it would help them with growth and support. And making an all female event made it I just, and this was what I related to. I always had to really have a tough shell when I was always around the guys and act like it didn't bother me, but I could see that that could shut down younger girls early on. So, giving this female positive environment, it for one brings females together, which we're all learning to how to do that better and to be supporting one another and through cheering for one another, as well as creating lifelong friendships. And having this international field of these younger girls to be meeting people from other places in the world. And then, you know, since we have no boundaries now with communication and social media, these kids can keep stay in contact through the rest of their lives. Um, so it's this amazing event, and we have almost like this women's village down at the bottom where we have. Female DJs, and we have gaming, female gaming, and we have you know just all of these vendors they're supporting, and, and free concerts. That it's all there, and it feels like a X Games caliber event, but it's all for women. So that's what really drew me to the idea of this event, and wanted to see it grow and make this my legacy of how I wanted to be, you know, leaving the leaving the sport and then helping it grow in another way.
1: That's amazing. I, I appreciate that so much. And I had seen that whereas a couple years ago now that that's yes. the that super, I don't was. think
0: it will be happening this year because of everything. We usually have the super yeah. surf in July that's okay. been bumped to October. Hopefully that can still go down. Um, but part of coming to, you know, professional events is to have, You know the excitement in gathering people and cheering for everyone. If we're not allowed to do that, then it it kind of pulls it all back. But um, the whole premise and the whole growth behind the Supergirl was to have the on the snowboard side was to have the pros come in, be the show ponies, but also be interacting with that younger generation. So these girls are getting to see the professionals in the sport that they're actually doing and interacting with them, and it's just so fun to see that. So. Hopefully we can be getting it back online soon and, you know, maybe this spring, who knows, but definitely we'll becoming back strong the following year. Absolutely.
1: I think it's amazing. The stuff that you've been doing, what you're doing with the Supergirl Snow Pro event is incredible. And to take that and see it going on in surfing and be like, wait a second, I can apply that to my sport. Cause there, there's a showcase that's there for them. Uh, I want to turn it back to, to training now, and okay. so you came on board and studied and got your uh, certified as a, a personal trainer through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. We love it, NASM. Super happy to have you. Um, there's an interesting thing that goes on that maybe not everybody knows about. and There tends to be a skill coach, and mm-hmm. then there's kind of a performance enhancement conditioning trainer that's that there as well. Um, what what influence have the trainers had in your life, and how did they differ from what's the difference between them and your skills coaches? and And then what led you to be like, i I can coach probably skills because you have those skills. Um but just because you do something well doesn't necessarily mean you teach it well, and just because you have been trained, doesn't necessarily mean, well, I can be a personal trainer. And I know when I first started training, I thought that, and then I got the NASM textbook and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so much more in depth than I thought. It's a little
0: bit more involved when I thought, I have a lot of note cards and a lot of tabs. (laughs) But to jump back to your question, um, I felt really confident because I have been involved in the sports industry for so long. I have seen growth and change and adaptation within my own body and how I had to curtail my uh, workouts to have the best outcome for my sport. So it made sense to, okay, we want our goal here for snowboarding to have the most power at this certain time. So to build it backwards, to make yourself peak here, it made sense to, create a way to really execute the best components and really understand what your body needs for those specific components. Um, And it that can be applied in any way. So if it's someone that just wants to have more freedom in their day-to-day life, it's like, okay, well, what do you do to your day-to-day life? Are you someone that is enjoying walking or do you love running or do you like rock climbing? So if that's where you're trying to peak at your rock climbing or walking, then let's back it up and start at the base and have all of those fundamentals dialed in. And then we'll figure out how we can manage and adapt change and build your program, so then you can have the best outdoor recreational experience and overall health. And that could be applied for young kids in sports or um, older clients that just want to be able to get up and move around better. And so it makes it almost like this puzzle that you're trying to find the best uh, pieces that are going to give you your end result. And working with a trainer for so long, it's not just building the, the pieces and putting them together. It's about the emotional support. It's about those small short-term goals and those milestones that you accomplish together. And when you're not only having your client accomplish it, you're feeling like you're giving them those tools to get to that next step and you have that sense of accomplishment together and it creates this great bond for you to continue and keep growing.
1: When you were doing your studies, did you look through any of the material and be like, oh my gosh, I wonder if I had done that, if it would have helped me do this? I mean, are are you taking it, peeling it apart and trying to apply it to yourself?
0: It was actually when I started reading the book and going through and understanding all the phases, I realized I've been doing this my whole life. I didn't realize this was how it was actually structured. And it just made sense so quickly that I'm like, oh, I get it. Off season. I'm just doing conditioning. I'm doing stabilization. I'm in phase one. And that's happening in May June time. I want to be peaking in November, so that's how I'm moving through my phases. I'm working on you know corrective movements. I'm in a uh, in a sport that makes you a little bit off balance, so you're yeah. trying to get everything balanced and firing and properly you know aligned before we get back into all of the high end stuff. So it's just less wear and tear on your body. So it was just explained to me in a way and just opened my eyes to be like, oh my God, that just totally makes sense.
1: (laughs) Good, good. Do you feel like it, did you spend more time and... Uh, any particular phase? I mean, maybe because you're on snow, did you spend more time doing stabilization or because you're trying to get really fast and you're jumping off of hills and making turns, did you practice a lot more power training? Where where do you feel like you spent a lot of time? or Do you feel like it was pretty well balanced between multiple phases?
0: Most of the time it's pretty balanced, but like in any adaptation form, you could almost be in a power phase or in your max strength phase. And you're like, well, I'm super sore today. My body's really not doing great. And I'm sore. I didn't sleep well. I'm actually going to dial it back and just kind of do a maintenance. We're going to do a light strength. So you're getting everything moving, but you're not Requiring your body to have the same physical demand because the last thing you want to do is just keep beating yourself up Yeah, you're ready to be in five you've been training to be in your phase five But it would almost be unrealistic to not be listening to your body and what you need at that time Um, It also just depends on what time of year I am in but a lot of the times when we're on the road we don't have access to all of our gyms and we were in our power phase before and now we're traveling, uh, we have to adapt and figure out some sort of maintenance. So I would say that we're staying usually in, you know, a phase three, four most of the time because we really only wanna be peaking in our phase five for a couple months max, and then back down to the bottom phase one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right. And that back down at the bottom is really important. And you talked about adding that back into your program when you're sore or when your body is a little beat up and you need to take a step back. And I tell people regularly, there's a difference between rest and recovery. And, you know, resting can be done on the sofa, watching Netflix. Recovery can most optimally be done whilst moving. Right. So we're we're still moving to recover, or we have kind of these passive active recovery things like foam rolling. Foam rolling is kind of passive, but it's also kind of active. There are things that you have to do in order to accomplish it. So the the difference between rest is basically nothing or sleeping, and it's valuable, don't get me wrong. But recovery and this active recovery, this maintenance to be able to take a break but still do is very important. Do you feel um, that there's a a sense of me still moving my body is helping me to want to move my body more and be able to move my body more?
0: I think recovery is probably 90% of my career right now only because I consider myself more seasoned. Uh, then some of the younger athletes that I can compete against so I can be working out to the capacity and then they can maybe do Another week or so in that phase, but yeah. I try to look at it as like hey I've been doing these Workouts in these phases for over 20 years My body will have that memory and know how to execute when needed so it's more important that I listen to my body and know okay you know, i had two hard workouts this week. I'm feeling super sore. Maybe Friday's a notch down. I'm not in a power phase. Yeah. Maybe I just go into, you know, a light strength day with some stabilization just so I'm staying move, moving and then just doing mobility, ice bathing, stretching, you know, Normatec pants. It's just yeah. like, my Netflix is never just oh it's just hanging out watching Netflix it's either I'm stretching or <laughs> or I'm in my normotech pants or I'm icing and that's usually what I have to do and what my body has had the best result and turnover to then get the best out of the next couple of days we want our weekends off we want or have you know time to enjoy weekends with our family or those are our times when we need to be executing because most of our races are on a weekend so beating myself up just to follow the program is not necessarily always the best case scenario when i know what my body needs and i've learned that through trial and error going through injuries having to you know plateau for a long time before all of a sudden, I see a gain when I'm getting my range of motion back or strength back mm-hmm. for after an injury. So it's always a day to day, and that's also being understanding and forgiving to yourself as well when you're working with clients. And you know, I've had a client who was doing well with their balance, and then one day, that just their balance was off. I was like, okay, well, let's look at what you've done over the past couple of days in addition to your workouts with me. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit higher volume than what you've maybe done so even though your body's able to do it today maybe it's just not able to execute and that's okay because you have to take into account what else you've done and not get super down or upset or feel that the program's not working for you really just understanding the difference between fatigue sore muscles pain. Uh, And those are all different cues that people also need to learn and understand the difference of because it's different with everyone.
1: And there's a a psychosocial component to that as well. Things are going on in people's lives. And, you know, there's just sometimes it just doesn't click. Sometimes it's not your day to do your best workout. Right. Um, But with when we talk about our dailies, do you have any particular daily practice, something that you try to do every day, and that could be fitness, it could be journaling, it could be anything, but do you have something that that you kind of committed to where you're like, I, I try to make sure I do this daily?
0: I, For fun and to just have a little like release, uh, I started to play the ukulele just so I'd have oh. something to kind of break up the day. Uh, it was a small instrument that can travel easily. So I was like, well, why didn't I do this sooner? Cause it probably would have been helpful but recovery still is a huge part of that. And even though I've traveled to come see my family for a few days before I leave for my first training camp, um, really trying to make sure that I am getting enough sleep because traveling is harder on your body than one might think you wanna get to your house and maybe start hanging out or talking or seeing your friends. Uh, but you have to then also realize, you know, you traveled across the country, you're on different time zones, you have to get certain things accomplished. It's what's realistic within the day. And how do we best optimize that without going overboard? Because I definitely can go overboard with what I can do in a day. And then I'm like, Oh, my God, I'm so tired three days in it's like, that's ah, you're not really paying attention to what you're doing in a day to day structure. So That's just me getting older and wiser, just trying to take care of myself (laughs) to just keep the longevity of my sport as long as
1: possible. Well, that's a thing when we're young, too. There's a tendency to push ourselves and then we're sore and then we're really proud of how sore we can get. And then we pat ourselves on the back and then we show you that I can keep going even though I am sore or I can keep going. Even though I didn't get much sleep, there's so many things that are flawed. (laughs) There's so many things that are flawed with that mentality. But it is a mentality of I can, I can, I can, as opposed to I should and what's going to optimize my outcomes. And being sore constantly is not going to do it. Certainly not getting enough sleep is not going to do it. So taking that, that mental push that says... I know I can do this thing and I feel like I always have to be doing and proving and showing uh, and exhibiting sometimes to others that I can. And I think we on on our end and as coaches, I know because I've worked with elite level athletes and sometimes they just go. They just want to push and push. And I'm like, you have got to recover. The, The workout doesn't work unless you recover from it. So that's when the benefit happens. The benefit doesn't happen while you're lifting weights or while you're doing your plyos or things like that. The benefit comes when you recover from that training and that recovery is valuable. And I know like the seasoning that happens <laughs> as, as life goes on allows <laughs> us to look at it and say, I don't have to push like that. Do you, do you feel there's a, a, a similarity in your sport with the younger athletes that push that way?
0: One hundred percent. I definitely am racing against individuals um, that I've been on to- uh, on tour longer than they've been living. So, you know, yeah. after a day riding, they're like, "We're going to go to the gym. We're going to do this," and I'm like, "I'm going to go stretch. I'm going to be yeah. in my Normatex. and if I'm doing any sort of workout, it's going to be really mild, mobility, uh, just light activation, just making sure that everything's balanced." Um, and especially while I'm in my snowboard boots, my ankle cannot flex the same way as if I'm doing a normal squat oh, yeah. without it. So where is extra mobility coming from? It's coming in my knees and my hips more so. You would say it would be hypermobility. And so there's more stress put on my knees and on my you know, glutes and hip flexors. So giving them a little more of a encouragement to, okay, how are we going to tighten back up, how we're going to activate and rebalance after doing a full day on Hill is crucial. So good point. it's, it's always a day-to-day thing for me. And sometimes it's hard because I'm like, man, all these kids have more energy or they're doing this and they're constantly, you know, ready to go. But I have to then take a step back and be, remind myself that it's like, I don't need to execute and have it work for me today. I need it to have it be executing and fire and be ready on race day. So uh, when I've been able to calm myself down and repeat that and feel confident in that statement, that's usually when I do well.
1: That's amazing. I have a few more questions for you, but before we get to my questions, because I'm the only one that's been asking them, uh, let me jump over to Greg and see if Greg, do we have any, uh, any questions that have come through the, f- the thread for Lindsay? We do. Uh, Julie in the
0: chat was interested in understanding what you do from a nutrition
1: perspective uh, for your recovery as well.
0: Well, I'm not certified in my nutrition yet, but <laughs> I have a lot of access to professionals through the US team. And basically it's similar to my workouts. What did I do that day in a workout? Was it a heavy workout? Was it a hard workout? My calories then have to reflect what I need to be building back up and making sure that I'm getting all of my macronutrients that cover all the workout that I did. Um, as well as, am I working out heavy tomorrow or do I have a rest day? So do I have a couple of days to get back that macronutrients or do I need a quick turnover? Do I need to have creatine? Do I need to have other sources of protein to make sure that I'm getting the best recovery as possible? And that's a tricky thing, it's a day-to-day and it's not a one answer that's solving your problem. And sometimes I have to do the best I can because I'm in a foreign country or I don't have the access to the best things. So I do travel with my own protein and creatine um, just so I can make sure that if I have any gaps in my nutrition, I can be supplementing them with that. Um, So I'm trying to get all my vegetables and everything that I possibly can um, I'm a winter athlete. So I'm usually up in the mountains. So sometimes we don't get the freshest of vegetables. And it's a lot of the time in Europe, it's pickled stuff. So that's yeah. just kind of what it is. So I'm doing the best of what I can. So living in California is always pretty incredible, because it's like, the, everything can grow there, and you can get it year round, but There's I always an
1: avocado it. somewhere in California.
0: No, and they're very expensive in Switzerland. Never get an avocado in Switzerland. Just that's that's life advice that you can really, really use. <laughs> it will be the most expensive avocado you will ever. Have. Oh wow! Um, so that's yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. And I definitely you know utilize trainers with the U.S. team if I feel like I'm not doing well. But I have gotten blood work in the past over the couple of years. Um beginning of my season and end of my season to see if there is a real big discrepancy in um, a vitamin or mineral that I was falling short on to see if that would help. Um, So I would say if you are working on getting your certification, that could be a great way to start just so you know where you are and understand how certain things affect you. That way you can best bring that over to a client to then at least guide them in the direction or speak to somebody who could help them.
1: Nice. Nice. Well done. What else you got, Greg? Who else is asking questions over there?
0: Well, I'm actually going to be selfish and I'm going to ask one myself because it's not (laughs) every day that I get to speak with an Olympian. So I was wondering, I'm very inspired by what you were talking about in terms of mentorship. And I have a three-year-old daughter at home and I was wondering what advice you have for, for those of us who are, trying to raise young, strong, confident girls to, to ensure that they have that confidence? What what has helped you along the way to have the confidence to do what you've done? I would say reinforcing that confidence. So many times, even if a three-year-old is amazing at doing a cannonball, jumping into the water and being fearless, you, you, we forget those simple skill sets that, oh my gosh, you jumped higher that time. And that splash is even bigger. Just even reiterating that in a different way to then all of a sudden see that face light up with excitement. I did it better. I did it in a different way. It definitely encourages that growth and that hunger to say, how do I bring what I'm already doing to that next level and inspiring that growth? And that's just a very, very basic basic understanding that I look at, but I see a lot of the younger girls, when we bring them into the Supergirl event, a lot of the times they get nervous to try a new feature. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, let's break it down. You were able to do that feature. This one's just a little different. We can start slow. We can do some mobility on the side, understand what your body's going to go through. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to fall. You're a couple of feet off the ground, it could hurt. You'll survive, but you know everyone's here waiting for you to try and cheer you on. So having that support system, whether it's the simplest task being done to a larger scale, it's always nice to have that. I still like having that confidence boost from coaches, from wax techs, from coaches. Because then it's a reflection on the work you have put into a certain task or the timeline that you've really stuck to to have an outcome.
1: I have a question about, about that because I, I love it. And I mentioned earlier that I have a daughter and we try to reinforce her confidently. Um, but when you're working with these athletes, there are some sports that have foam pits. Right. Like they can do a flip and they land in a bunch of blocks of foam and it's super soft and comfy. I don't know. I but I don't think there's a snowboarder version of that. So there is-, is there really? Oh, tell me yeah. more.
0: Yes. We have foam pits where you actually go down an artificial snow hill. So it's like little plastic bristles that you can actually slightly turn, but it's just better to kind of go straight, but it is a way to allow the body to build a certain type of awareness for a specific trick or task that you're trying to learn. You can also do those jumps into the water. We have a training facility out in Park City, Utah. I believe that they will open it up to the public or have training camps there for younger individuals, for gold camps or even young kids. Um, And it, it kind of just helps them get that next step because there are these tools now that make you not have to learn it on the ice like I did. <laughs> which,
1: <laughs> well, which that was is what like, I was going to say. Like, did you have that? Do they have it now? But I mean, there are a lot of people who are just like, I really hope that the snow is soft today. Because oh, if, you're, if you're in that Vermont snow or you're up in Connecticut on a mountain where you grew up, like, I'm assuming that's a lot harsher than it is in in Colorado,
0: yes. And when I was into half pipe and slope style, most of the time, when you were trying to learn a new trick or elevate it, you were trying to do it in the summertime. We, Mount Hood is our only glacier in the u s okay. that and now it's a glacier and a snowfield, but you ride on the snowfield. We can be on snow. All the way up until august i was actually there in june was able to up be up there it's all warm it's spring snow so it's all soft but we have a perfect shaped half pipe so you're trying to hit that half pipe between 10:30 to 12:30. so you've got a two hour window where it's firm enough to hold its shape and stay consistent yet soft enough if you're not making a perfect landing it's not landing on the hard hard ice so trying those tricks when the snow is a little bit more forgiving, get that dialed, get a little bit more comfortable with it, then you start to apply it when you're getting into your normal season. But now up at Mount Hood, you can even take a step back from that because you have the airbags that they'll set up and they'll have oh that they're up on the hill. So you can land to the airbag. Maybe you don't land completely perfect, but if there's a forgiving little buffer for you. And then once you feel confident that you've landed so many in the airbag, then you take it to the softer snow. And then hopefully you'll have enough confidence over time to then do it during the normal winter. That's well. the sport, there have been new technologies that have helped athletes take it to the next level and then obviously make the, the age to start this even younger and younger and younger. <laughs>
1: yeah that's that's true too. but I also think that you know people there are a certain amount of rotations that people are willing to give a try, and you know if you can put a foam pit underneath them, maybe they go, I'll try another quarter turn or another half turn or something like that. So the opportunities to not get injured in the process of doing something pretty awesome it's uh, yes. is, is quite helpful. Now with you, last question, moving forward, certified personal trainer. How do we? How do you apply your NASM certification to what you currently do and you, what you expect to do?
0: I'm now more aware of what phases I'm currently training in. Therefore, I know if I'm overtraining and have to take a step back and recover a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then I use it when I have to you know, train with other teammates. I'm making sure I'm more aware of body position, uh, proper setup and mechanics of it just so I can have that communication and that verbiage just so then I can have better cues and learn better cues when I apply it to clients. Um, Just because people might not know the technical terms of, retraction and protraction and you know you're talking to a client that's maybe new to it they're like I don't I don't really know what you're talking about what's a different cue and I've learned some great cues from you through your videos and I'm like okay how else can I apply that especially in the snowboarding world if I'm training a young snowboard athlete or if I'm training someone that just wants to have just healthier lifestyles so um, I really like that aspect and now It's a pretty open book as far as when I want to start executing, having clients. Uh, I started building workouts, which was really fun for my friends. And they're kind of just like my guinea pigs and see how, you know, what information I get back from them. See what kind of goals we can get and accomplish with my friends. Um, and
1: for yourself as well are you and, are you, and
0: for myself I mean yeah. I'm still I'm still 100% active in my sport and training and getting on snow soon so uh, we'll see how my training has gone throughout this year and I'm getting on snow pretty soon so we'll see how that translates and how I execute um, and as well as my recovery. So uh, it's the tools that I've acquired through NASA have been, really really helpful and I really look forward to going into the corrective fitness which was my next right. chapter that I was looking into I was like I'll save that for you know when I'm potentially stuck in a hotel room or have to isolate somewhere <laughs> I was like I can really chip away at that and start getting back into that because I, I really liked how everything was structured and I felt like I was able to absorb things well and focus on that next task. I'm going to
1: admit, and maybe I, maybe I shouldn't, but it is my personal favorite product that NASM has, which is their corrective exercise specialist. But that is a focus of mine and what I do and with the Mm -hmm. athletes and the clients that I work with. So I, I am a little biased towards that particular course of study. And I think that you're really helpful in what you do. And a lot of times we think, well, corrective exercise is really good for people who are uh, recovering or post rehab and things like that, it is far more beneficial than that. It is, for everyone. It is about enhancing performance, not just about, um, helping people recover from particular, uh, uh post rehabilitative work that they might be doing with their therapist. And now they can work with a trainer. So right. the, the value in that product is absolutely incredible. So I hope you do follow through with that one. And, oh, and a nutrition specialist as well. You are crushing it.
0: I'm yeah. That's definitely that's on the uh, to do list for sure. It was it was nice to get that little introduction mm. into the nutrition side of things, and especially because there's so much in the market, it's flooded with all the diets, all the fab diets. And I've known a lot of individuals that are like, I've tried this one, this one, it doesn't work, but this one did work. And you're like, oh, interesting. Like I want to understand why that's working for you specifically where another client is totally on a different page and doing a different thing and it's working for them is it is it genetic backup or background is it you know just their daily life and what they're consuming as opposed to what they're burning off in a day it's there's so many variables that it's just this unique individual puzzle and everyone is unique and that's why having a personal trainer is so crucial because it is that one-on-one you're not the same as other people you you're not this cookie cutter that we're just going to do all this stuff and then boom you're getting your best result it's okay this one worked for you we're going to change this around a little bit we're going to add this nutrition and that and let's do that for a little bit see what we get oh something's a little off let's tweak a few things you know it, it makes it it makes you feel special it makes you feel like that's program is designed to make you have your best chances success
1: Well you're right about that it gives you the opportunity to not just come at one angle and that one angle might be fitness or it might be performance or it might be corrective exercise but now you're you're armed with nutrition and corrective exercise and performance and uh, you know, and, and movement and understanding these things and your ability to teach it and to cue it, to coach it, to mentor it is all really valuable. And I am super excited that
0: I'm really you excited are too. an
1: NASN certified personal trainer, and it's been an absolute delight to have you. So thank you for being on this show. Tell our people who are follow, who are listening how they can follow you. Well,
0: you can follow me in all my adventures on my social media handle on um, Instagram. It's just Lindsay Jacob Ellis, and get into a lot of fun things and I'll be getting on snow soon. So see some fun action coming up and on the World Cup tour, which is usually on the Olympic channel and hopefully all of my events start up pretty soon. So I'll be back in action. If not, I'll just be starting to get into personal training that much faster.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's not a bad gig. I'll tell you that. No, it's like,
0: okay, That's that's the adaptation right there.
1: That's right. Well, good luck with all your travels. I know you're going to be getting on snow soon. So uh, I really, I know that's exciting for you because that's where home is. Home is where the snow is. So Mm -hmm. good luck with everything. If you're ever in New York, let me know and then we'll get a session in together and uh, look forward to seeing you in the future. Good luck with everything.
0: Thank you so much. I had such a blast on here today. So I look forward to working with you guys again soon.
1: I look forward to it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is the NASM CPT Podcast.